Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Claire O'Sullivan podcast. Um, today, I am joined by a very, very exciting guest. Um, I have got the amazing Kira Griffin and Irish and Kerry legend on with me today. And without further ado, I would just like to say welcome to the podcast, Kira, and thanks so much for joining me today. Cheers, Claire. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to chatting. Amazing. I'm very excited for it. Um, and I suppose I don't like to butcher introductions when I have guests on the podcast. So I would love to hand the reins over to you and just to let you tell us a bit about yourself. Who is Kira Griffin for anybody out there who does not know? Yes, that's a, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> um, so my name is Kira. I'm from Ballymacalligat in Kerry and I'm a primary school teacher. Um, I also uh, played rugby there for a number of years, so I played rugby with Stuart Bowes, Munster in Ireland, um, and I retired there um, just past November. And then I, uh, so like I captain Ireland from 2018 to, to just when I retired. So um, rugby was a big part of my life. Um, it took, it was everything really revolved around it. I'm also an avid farmer. I love farming. So I'm actually gone back now with the fact that a bit more time I'm going back doing the green search. So I'm trying to be a farmer at the moment. <laughs> I do that on the side as well. So no, it's good. That's that's the main thing about here. I'm a teacher, farmer, and I, I used to play rugby. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And um, I'm going to have to drop it in there as well. You've achieved all of that and you're the same age as myself. You're only 28 years old and like you've had such a career already at that age. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose um, it's men. I, I feel a lot older than 28, I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's from all the hits in rugby. Yeah, probably all the rushing and racing. Uh, but no, it's, yeah, it's when you take a look back and you see that. And like I always think age is just a number, you know, yours. Absolutely. As younger, as old as you feel at times. Um, so just you can put your mind to when you want to. Yeah, absolutely. So take us back a little bit, Kira. How did this all start? How did you get into sport like back all those years ago? Yeah, so like I, I always loved sport growing up. Um, so I was very lucky. My sister Fiona, we're quite similar in age, she's just a year and a half older than me. Um, so we always got to play together outside and around the house. Um, and then with Belly Mac being such a GA parish, I started playing football at Belly Mac first um under 10s with the boys that was great you know, it was my first time <laughs> experiencing team sports and then um I got involved with handball as well with Belly Mac so I played handball as well for you know the small alley and big alley and that was brilliant um love that really you're really competitive and challenging with yourself um and then unfortunately with Belly Mac it got to the point where you know there was no girls team at that at that time so then I moved to Castle Island Desmonds. Um, so and that's been my football club ever since. And then kept playing football, but always but I, I football, handball, threw in a bit of soccer, um, belly hair. Couldn't I say now through an oceans, but look, I tried. <laughs> and then I always wanted to play rugby and was pestering dad for years. And eventually we got a, a girls castle a team set up in Castle Island. Wow. So I played rugby under 14s, under 16s in Castle Island, which was fantastic. Like you go up after school and do your training and be collected. You know, it was great and I loved it. And I loved the buzz of walking up with your friends, going training for something that you literally fought tooth and nail for. It was class. 
Um, you know, like you'd stop in the merch shop on the way up, get your piece of fruit, thinking that would help you after a long day of school, <laughs> do all these things. Um, and then I went to college in Mary and then I played rugby there as well in Limerick. Um, and then I kind of, when I went to college, I kind of focused more on rugby. So football and everything kind of took a back seat and rugby was my main sport then. Um, and that's where I kind of got my, my taste for representation. I played Munster under 18s my first year in college and then I got onto the senior Munster team after that. Wow. Um, and then it kind of went from there, you know, and um, thankfully the hard work paid off and you know, I got my Ireland debut in 2016 and got to, you know, got, got to play for Ireland for, you know, 41 times. Um, wow. Pretty. If you don't young here at eight or nine trying to pester for a girls' rugby team that she'd be playing for Ireland, she would have bitten her hand off. Um, so do you know that's where it kind of all started really, and that was my so was my sporting journey. Wow. So when you were saying, Kira, that you were, do you say you were pestering your dad? Was that like was there a, a club set up at the time, or were you actually involved in the setup of it? So there was a men's club and a boys' club, but there was no girls' club or ladies. So literally, yeah, was involved in setting up the, the girls team in Castle Island. Um, so a very lucky Brida Donahue and and John um John Mack took care of us and they were our coaches and they gave so much time to us at under 14s and under 16s, you know, because it was time consuming. We trained one or two nights a week and they're always there, they're always really cheerful, you know, wanted to show us the ropes and how to play. Um and I think that positive experience from a young age just made me want to keep going and uh, so yeah like literally at school I was literally going around with a clipboard pestering all my friends to come join the rugby club <laughs> well you can definitely play rugby and we got a we got a great team like we played two or three matches as well as Sadie Field and everything and played a few blitzes um, so yeah it definitely wow. being a and we'll say when there was no club there, how did you know that you wanted to play rugby? Had you played rugby with the boys or played a bit in school? My sister, poor Fiona. Um, so dad was coaching the local Castle Island himself. Um, so we always had rugby balls, cones. I'll never forget, there was a net of rugby balls. It was old-fashioned, you know, the old-fashioned nets. Yeah. And had, had blue and red ribbons around the top that you'd pull. And I remember I'd take one of the wedding dresser and I'd bring them out and play them with the rugby balls outside and take the cones and... They got my own drills and me and Tony used to have mini matches as well. Like literally just one-on-one tackles for an hour or two time you'd be wiped. Um, that's my first experience of rugby really. And yeah. then knew I always wanted to play it. Um, I suppose I was a bit bigger, you know, than most girls my age. Um, and I suppose I was a little self-conscious at times about my size and you know, about being big and if you want to hurt other people if you're going for a tackle and stuff like that. Yeah. Where the rugby, you could just be yourself. You know, it didn't matter if I was bigger or a bit stronger. Um, and you kind of, it was your advantage and it was your place. To be. Um, and I think that really, really gave me confidence growing up because I suppose I was quite self-conscious at times and about different things. Um, so I think rugby was my opportunity to show what I could do and just be me and be myself. Wow. And it gave it. That is really, really interesting to hear. So was that kind of where you felt most like most at home and most comfortable? Yeah, literally like the old, like, like a pig and muck, like the old fashioned sayings, you know, and I absolutely loved it. I loved, for me, the muckier the pitch, the better, because I was like, <laughs> oh, this is proper, hard, old school rugby, you know, it's going to be a tough day, tough game. I used to love when it rained. 
Um, I love playing in the rain. And um, yeah, it was my only time just to be mean. Like, I'll never forget my first game was in Abbey Field. And I remember I scored my first try. And I can tell you exactly how it happened, how it, the play opened up in front of me. There was a, a soft shoulder and I just went up through the middle. And I remember coming home telling Dad, and I was just ecstatic. <laughs> telling like play for play what happened and how it happened. And we were just class. And he, he, he loves it too, just seeing as well as the joy in my face. Um, and that was the bug. I got my first taste of it. I'm sure that was that, was that then. There was no, there was wow. no going Wow. And so that Kira who was walking around school with her clipboard, gathering the names, did she ever imagine herself like stepping onto that field for the Irish ladies? Or like, was that something that ever crossed your mind back then? Or did? Yeah, it did. I, I, you know, some people are like, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't. I did. Like from when I was small, I was an Irish player. My head, you know, playing games out the back. So I had two targets. It was playing the Red of Munster and the Green of Ireland. They're my two targets growing up. And I'm very fortunate that I, I achieved them. But I always had a target in my head. And people asked me, oh, were you not afraid of failing? And I was like, sure, if I failed, I failed. But I didn't, I, I didn't hold back either. I didn't doubt myself. I did everything I could to try and get my targets and um, pay it off. Do you know, I think oh. that's what I say to younger players. Do you know they're like people like, oh, what would you say to younger players? And I'm always like, back yourself, back your ability. You're there for a reason. Um, and for me, that was it. I was like, I just backed myself and I backed the hard work, the love of rugby, the love of sport I had. And thankfully, it paid off. Wow. That is, that's pretty incredible to hear. Um, can you tell me, when was the first time that you remember having those goals, like those ambitions of Munster and Ireland? At what age were they planted in your mind? Oh, easily 10 or 11. And like, you know, I, like we used to play out the back and I was Ron O'Gara for Ireland and Fiona with Johnny Wilkinson. <laughs> um, and from, I'm, and I'm not lying from then, that's when I wanted. Like, there's a picture I drew. I was doing a thing for a different thing yesterday, and it's of Dad, and he's in Castle Island gear with number eight on it. And I always want to play rugby, and I always want to play a representation of, and just it was always my dream to play for Munster in Ireland because I grew up going to Tomer Park. You know, you go up on a Thursday or a Friday, Dad, Dad, Mom would drive you up, you'd park in the city, and you'd walk out. And you had that buzz of everyone going to matches and you wanted to be there too. You wanted to be the one playing. You yeah. wanted to be the one in the jersey. And I suppose I was exposed to it from such a young age. I was very fortunate. Um, but I from that age, I always wanted to play for Ireland and I always wanted to play for Munster. Um, wow. And just... That's unbelievable. And Kira, like, I suppose, like, I guess a lot of kids, um, myself included, will have been out in the lawn kicking the ball, thinking I was Colin Cooper or whoever. Um, but it doesn't happen for everyone. So I suppose, did you see, like, someone lead the way for you, like, in the women's, um, in the women's field that you saw, okay, this is actually the path I can take? Like, like, how did that dream, like, feel like it was possible for you, do you think? Yeah, so Siobhan Fleming was local at the local at the time, and she was doing really well at Munster in Ireland. And you know, it was it, there was good exposure there. You could see the women's team. Um, and but actually, one of my friends, uh, Chloe Pierce, and she takes all the credit for my rugby since that. <laughs> she, 
actually told me about the Munster under 18s trials. I never knew about them. And I was like, I was like, Tara's like, oh, I, I, I won't make that. I was like, I'm not good enough. He's like, will you go away? Will you go down to them? They're on CIT. And I went down and they, they heard us from Kerry. So they put me in a full back at the start. So <laughs> you can't the ball or you'll kick it. And they changed it pretty quick because the full back was always gone because I was always stuck in a ruck. I was always stuck in the middle of a tackle. <laughs> you know, so the backfield was always open. But that was literally it. I was told by Chloe that you could play for Munster under 18s. And that kind of showed me the pathway then. Hey. But like, my pathway to Ireland wasn't straightforward. Um, everything's all she got it. It's great, but it took me three attempts. Okay. Um, the first two times wasn't good enough. I got my feedback, worked in it, came back, um, played like I lived in the gym. Really wanted to get bigger, get stronger, get fitter, um, and then worked really hard with club, which was really at the time, and was playing into pros, and I was just playing rugby for the fun of it. Do you know, I was just enjoying myself. Because I wasn't focused on making a team because I was like, look, if it happens, it happens. It hasn't happened the last two times. I'm just going to go out and play. And I remember I got the phone call from the Irish coach three days before the Interpro final against Leinster in Tomer Park saying, look, we want you to be on the Irish extended training squad. So there wasn't even a trial. You know, it was like, you're on the squad. It was wow. epic. It was amazing. And I literally played that game, the Interpro game, literally like I was six foot taller, 10 stones <laughs> just, you know, fast. And then I went to my first camp. And then my first drill, I broke my leg. Wow. So in a contact drill, something that I love, like I love contact. And it's my bread and butter. And literally in a tackle, the leg went bent the wrong way. And unfortunately, there was a crack and the leg broke. And I remember convinced, trying to convince the physio to just strap it, that it might just be ligaments. And I remember I ran a few links to the pitch. Um, but the leg it kept giving way and sure it was broken but I remember I came in and I was like oh I was like is this my chance over it now and I remember February Tom Tierney came up and he was like don't worry you're part of the squad now he's like this is an injury injuries happen you'll come back from this and we'll get you right and I'll never forget that that I think him saying those words to me gave me right no I'm here for a reason this happened, that's what happens. And I focused on my recovery then and my rehab and I was back within, I was out of the cast in five weeks and then I was back training in November. But it, it's, sorry, back training at the end of November, start of December. And it happened to start of October. Um, so like, you know, but this, so all that was like, I finally made it, then I break my leg. I'm like, oh God. But then come the seventh, come no, this January, 2016, I was back in Irish camp. And then I got my first cap in February 2016. So do you know how things can go? You think, oh, it's all going against me now. You can make it go right as well. Okay, wow. There is a lot to unpack there. So a question I had written down for you here was, what kind of challenges have you faced in your sporting career? And you've listed off quite a few of them there. So first two times you tried out for the Irish team, you didn't actually make it. So what what was that like? Were they just kind of like open trials that you went for? Was it a one-day thing? Talk us through that. Yeah, so the first one, no, I was young at the time. It was a one-day one trial in Portlaoise. And there was all these different drills, different scenarios. So I was like starstruck. Like I was training outside after internationals. Like, oh God. Like, you know, you're... Uh, but I thought it went well. I was happy. But obviously, look, was I obviously wasn't up to standard. You know, I was young. I wasn't big enough either. 
um, and I was still quite green in playing terms. Okay. Uh, so got some feedback, worked on that. Mm. Um, was happy with how what was that like to take for you like did you take that very good and was like yeah that's something to work on or was that like a bit of a kick initially how did you process that I'm very much on improvement constant improvement and I was like okay thank you I actually said thank you for the feedback I'll take that on board and literally worked on it okay and that's the way I was always am still I still am you know I, I love feedback for how we can improve um and then I Worked on that and I thought I did quite well. You know, I got I got stronger in the gym. I got bigger. I was lifting heavier weights. I was matches weren't taking as much out of me, you know, physically. And then we had a weekend trial in December. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm really happy with our win. Like they called out my number a few times in terms of I did something right. You know, I was like, right, it's okay. I remember I got to and I, I remember I was waiting a few days, like, oh, I don't know if I made it because I was like, we should have found out by now. Blown before I got the phone call saying, Look, you didn't make it. I was like, Right, now that was a kick in the teeth. That was sick. I was like, Oh, I thought I did all everything I needed in terms of work on it. I was like, Remember, I got on, I emailed, I was like, Okay, thanks. I think I was in such a daze that I didn't ask the question, but then I sat down and I had my little tears. And I was grand 20 minutes later, I was like, Right, I'm emailing. So I emailed and got my feedback in writing. Okay, um, and then I was like, had these had these work on worked on those okay. and kept working kept working and thankfully they worked and then I I I, I made the third the third time <laughs> I made the Irish first. Wow. So like I guess that second time round when you got that feedback again, what age were you at that stage? I was twin twenty. Okay. okay. Was it harder to take that second time round or was it very much into gear again? This is what I need to do. It was tougher. It was definitely tougher to take. Because you, know, you think, oh, you're a bit older. You think, yeah, I, I should be. I think I'm okay. Good enough to be there. But obviously the coaches know. Do you know what I mean? Um. So then I was like, right, just took the feedback then and worked on that. So I remember I joined the gym. I was in college. I was doing masters. I was like, I was finished. I was finished my undergrad, and then I was starting a master's, and I um just literally did my master's and lived in the gym other other times. <laughs> so, um, so that 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 was that year. And then thankfully, look, it paid off. Then the next, the next September, you know, so it was only a few months really. I did the Six Nations and stuff. Mm. Um, but then the following September, I made it. Wow. And when when you got that second round of feedback, was the door left open? Were you still in your head like I'm going to make that Irish team? What was going on for you when you were going back to the drawing board that time? Yeah, I was still in my head because they said that we could still be part of the, the, the strength conditioning program. So I was able to go to the gym two mornings a week with the girls on the team. Okay. Um, still, you felt like you were a bit involved. You know, you were working on your strength, what they were doing, things like that. So, in like they always said, based on performance, there's a chance of being brought in. But you know how that goes sometimes. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, just I didn't get brought in that time. But again, I was working in the gym and um, working on my conditioning. I still do all the sessions they were doing, but I wasn't on the team. If that made sense, or in the squad, I was in the extended, yeah. extended squad. So I was still getting fitter and stronger, which is only going to help me when it came to Munster. Um, and that, that helped off that helped in because that summer I remember I felt really fit you know it felt really good at trainings and it, it paid off 
Uh, so then that autumn, you got that phone call. Exactly, I got the phone. I remember I was out for the, I got the number was ringing and I was like, I didn't know the number. I was like, I better answer this. So I went outside and then it was calm on the call. And I remember I was on the deck. I said, like, oh my God, I was like, yeah, thanks. Trying to play it cool, you know. And then literally, <laughs> came the house down and I ran straight in the back door to mom and dad. Um, and they were delighted. Um, yeah, I'll never forget it. Like, it was just class. I remember exactly where for those little calls and stuff. So wow. it, was, it was just. So that was kind of the childhood dream that was out the backyard with Fiona becoming very real. Yeah, literally, it's exactly. Like, you know, it's kind of mad that's, that's where we trained, played against her for so many years. And then that's where I get the phone call that you've, you've made to training squad. So, yeah, it's kind of, I didn't actually thought of it that way. Um, definitely cool way of linking it. And so went to the first training and then, lo and behold, a pretty serious injury. Yeah, look. These things, as, as I always say, like you get injured crossing the road, um, and unfortunately, just something I've done hundreds of thousands of times just fell wrong, leg got stuck under me, just cracked, and leg was broken. You know, not much, not and I could just I couldn't talk myself out of it, like the leg literally would. Um, but I remember I got my soft cast on the Sunday, like, and I was in the gym on the Monday working on uppers, and I was like, right, I just get bigger and get stronger. So I went into the gym the next day, had my deflated yoga ball for under my leg. And that's where I lived for the five weeks. Wow. And like, I suppose I've seen if I've from working as a physio on things, I've seen people with broken legs and that. And typically it takes a bit longer than what you're describing to get back. So tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm big on mindset. I'm like, if I sit down and mope, my leg is going to mope. It won't heal. And I'm big on being active and within reason, you know, like obviously I wouldn't do anything that would injure me or make my injury worse. But I got a yoga ball and I used to put my leg on the yoga ball. So that would take all the pressure on my on my leg. So I can still do my bench and all my weights by pushing through my other leg. Yeah. Uh, so I put I should put this with disclaimer with this, like I'm not a medical advice. So like I put the knee, <laughs> I do all my sessions like and they know me in the gym like I just go around my crutches and I'd be hitting the yoga ball with my crutches around the gym trying to get everything on and they just they got used to it after a while like they knew they helped out if I needed it but I'm quite independent and I was like no I'm fine I'll put the weights on I'm okay like I I, <laughs> I was in no help whatsoever like so I'd be there kneeling on the bench getting my trying to get all the weights that were nearby and putting them onto the bar um, and then I wanted cardio and I was doing battle ropes and I was like, you know, I'm sick of battle ropes. And the the skier wasn't around at the time. It wasn't invented, unfortunately. <laughs> um, got that later on, but I got a skateboard. So I used to, have, I used to go to the gym with my backpack, so I had the yoga ball and my skateboard, my backpack. And so I used to hop over to the roar and I put strap my good leg into the roar and then my bad leg would go on the skateboard. And, but I could still do my rowing sessions. With one leg. One leg. Two arms, one leg. But, uh, <laughs> so like, but in my head, like I was still doing the same training that the girls were doing. Yeah. So I was falling behind in my head. No one was getting ahead of me wow. because I was doing the same work. If I was doing more work, to be honest. Like I was in the gym five days a week. Like that's where I went. That was like my safe place. Um and so in my head, it's like, no one is going to beat me here. Like, no one, just another broken leg doesn't mean 
I'm going to lose my place. Um, and that helps, that works. And obviously here, like, there is no medical professional, like, prescribing all of that for you. Like, where does, where did that drive and that determination to push through regardless come from, like, and to be able to do all of that in the gym on your own and to turn things around so quickly from a broken leg to get in there, like, a few days later? Yeah, it was just my way like i i'm very big on no excuses and i i don't feel sorry for myself you know i'm very big on that that things happen for a reason sometimes they're great things sometimes they're not so great things but they're there to challenge us and as well and see how we bounce back you know that like that bounce back ability and it was my way of bouncing back from a small injury like there are people a lot worse off than i was at that time you know it was like i only had a broken leg i could physically see the injury you know, you knew it was going to heal once you did your rehab and you looked after yourself. And so that's kind of was my mindset that there's people a lot worse off than me. I'm lucky I could even go and train. And so I just took my opportunity and, and thankfully it's, it, you know, I didn't do, do any more damage and I got to stay fit and healthy, but mentally I needed that. Because yeah. I think sitting down, because I was doing my master's at the time, so I was on the laptop a lot doing my research and doing my thesis and stuff and I think if I didn't get that release, it could have gone the other way and that I would have gone very down a lot and I would have been very hard on myself and I think that would have affected me more. So I think by being out and being physically active, it made even my mindset, my mood so much better and it made it easier for recovery. But that was It was like uh, maybe a bit of a positive coping strategy that also helps you bounce back very quickly but where does where does that thinking come from that thinking of like okay there's always someone worse off look this is what I can do it's like there was no dwelling on the things that on the negatives that have happened or the things I can't do like is that just normal for you since you've been young do you feel like that came from like some I suppose someone around you that you've looked up to where does that kind of thinking come from um, it's just something we have always been like it, it's it's so nice to be this before like you're like I'm just I, I try and be positive a lot I I always try and be a positive person I, I think especially in teaching as well you because you know when you're in a classroom you, you know you're the first person the children see when they walk in the door and if you know and they'll see if you're in a good mood and then they'll be in a good mood or you know vice versa and you might be you know you're the last adult to see before you walk home or go home so you kind of want to be positive and be have that good attitude because you don't know what a person's day is like. You know, they might look fine, but maybe something happened before they came in or before you saw them. You know, stuff like that. And I'm very big on just being positive because there's enough people in the world to be negative. You know, and I'm like, why would I be another person to add to the tally? And I'm like, look, obviously I have bad days. I get really grumpy. I get really moody. But you get out of them. And we were all entitled to a bad day or every now and again, you know, but I think it's the dwelling on it. I I hate feeling sorry for myself or people feeling sorry for themselves because I'm like, I understand something can be totally really, really bad. And that's fine. But if it's fixable and you can fix it, why want to be sorry for yourself and you can actually physically do something to change the situation or make it better or ease it? And that's the way I've always been. I'm like, moping will get me nowhere. But taking action will and um yeah that's kind of the way I've always been always been all oh, even when I was small I it's the way I've always been 
I absolutely love that. And I have no doubt in my mind that it's that kind of mindset that has got you to where you are today. And that I guess did get you bouncing back from that injury while doing a master's um, in quite a short time frame. So tell us about what was it like then when you did get over that and did get back playing again? Oh, class. Like, I loved it. I remember my first camp of fitness testing. I was like, oh, God, I hate fitness testing. I never test well. Um, but it was fine. It was like, right, look, just do, do what you can. And I was like, fine. And I remember one of the girls saying, like, it doesn't matter if you can run a fitness test in the fastest time, it's what you can do in the pitch. And I was like, you're actually dead right. And I just focused on that. And I just trained away. Um, and it was class. I loved it. I was learning so much. I was like a pure swat going up to all the older or senior players, more experienced players, asking all these questions. I had my little notebook writing down all my notes or my tips, like asking for feedback on different things. Or they taught me how to do video analysis because I had no experience of that. But like, they taught me how to do it or what I should look for. And then in my own game, how to analyze it and see where I can improve. And they also like, they taught me cute ways of a back row. Like, I'll never forget, um, I was pure green, like thinking everyone followed the rules the whole time. I remember <laughs> I got a, did a good tackle when I fell in the wrong direction, which I shouldn't have because I should have controlled my weight. I'll never forget Heather O'Brien, one of the best back rows of this, this country has ever seen. Like she, she, um, <laughs> She held me in on the bottom of the rock and um, held me in that looked like I wasn't rolling away. And I get, I get, so it didn't turn out to be a penalty against me. I remember looking at her and I was like, like you're holding me in. And she's like, you shouldn't have fallen there. I was like, you're right. And I never fell that way again. <laughs> you know, things like that. And like, they taught me like really good things like that. Like, wow. Stuff that you wouldn't learn from anal- analyzing. Stuff you wouldn't learn from from reading all the books or watching all the games, it's just you know real life experience. Tricks and, uh, of the trade. Tricks of the trade. It was brilliant, and I learned from like I had like I had Paula, I Heather, I had Malloy, like I had such genius back row players to learn from and to take all that knowledge. And um, it def- I was very lucky the time I I got involved. Wow. Uh, and just I remember like just taking it all in and just learning and learning. And I remember I got. We were training really hard for Jan- January. I, I was happy with how I was doing. You know, I was carrying good ball and stuff. And then remember, coach said to me, "Look, you're going to get you're going to be involved for the Wales game on the bench." And I think like, you're coming off the bench, hoping to get your first cap. Wow! And again, ran outside, rang dad, and mom, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just brilliant. Like it was just class, and wow. kind of went there. And, like your first cap is just so special because. It's like a culmination of everything, everything you ever dreamed of is, it's going to happen. Um, and I remember I was a bag of nerves. And usually I don't get that nervous before matches and the bag of nerves. And uh, I remember Heather sat beside me and she's like, you're fine, you're a friend. Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I remember I was like, even at halftime, I was so nervous. Do my warm up, I was very sick. Then, right, 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 you're, you're on. I was like, okay. And I remember I got my first tackle. And the first thing I did was within and I got a turnover. Wow. I was like, like okay. I was like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm able for this, and that was like my settler. Do you know wow. that? Because I love turnovers. Like that first taste, that first turnover, and he's like, yeah, I, I'm okay for this now. I, I can do this. Wow. That was settler. I need it. 
That is incredible. And so that was your very first cap. When did the second one come and how did things go from there? Yeah, so like that Six Nations, I got five caps. I played in all five games. Um, then I hurt my leg again, but it was fine. Got back, we had a November series. Um, that November 2016, I think, was it? Yeah, so I, I played two of the November series games. And then we were leading into the 2017 Six Nations season. And I played all those games. And then I came into this World Cup in Ireland. And... Um, I played all the World Cup games that we were involved in. Yeah, I kind of played every game since. Wow. I think that's, that, that's not being cocky or anything. That's just the way it worked out in terms of my position. You know, I'm not saying I was good enough to play all the games. It's just the way it worked. Um, I missed one game through injury, actually, against England. So I got a, I got a kind of throat or neck injury and I just couldn't play. Um, and, but I, I, like it was only through injury I didn't play, if that makes sense. I, wow. I physically cleared um but yeah I played every other game since then um and at what stage did you get your opportunity to captain the Irish ladies I was made captain then in 2018 so it was the Six Nations after that World Cup I suppose there's like a traditional period some older players retired um and so there's new players coming into the squad and um I remember Adam just rang and asked would I like to be would I be captain that he wants me to be captain and I was kind of shocked and blown away. Like, really? Like, I remember I, when I saw the number, I was like, I'm getting dropped. That's the first thing I thought. I was like, I'm getting dropped. I was like, that's the only reason your coach is ringing you outside of camp. But it, was, <laughs> it was the opposite. I was being asked to Oh, my God, Kira. How, yeah. how was that going through your head? When the question of will you captain the Irish ladies was coming, how was I'm getting dropped going through your head? Oh, because I just, just the way I am, I'm like, oh, no, I wasn't good enough, obviously. Or I didn't train well. He wasn't happy with my training. And I must be being dropped. That's the only reason. That's just me, like, you know. And um, for no thank he asked me to be captain. And wow. he's like, think about it. I was like, no. I was like, I'll be captain. And then after, <laughs> crossed, I was like, this is mad. I was like, you don't refuse captaincy. Like, it's, you know, not a country. Wow. And I rang, rang home, rang Damien. And then they were nearly in shock. They're like, oh, my God. Like, delighted. But I remember I was actually subbing at the time. I was working in Limerick and I was subbing. I remember I, was, I, remember I got the phone call at break time and I had to go in then to the staff room and act like nothing happened. Do you know, I was totally normal, like literally internally freaking. And then I had to teach for the rest of the day. You're like, oh, I just want to get home. And oh, then, my gosh. I remember to keep it secret then, obviously, for, for a few weeks. And then the girls were told and sure, I got massive support from the team. Everyone bought in. I think that really put me at ease was the reaction from the group you know yeah no and that kind of like okay I'm okay so I'm not doing something I shouldn't be if that made sense so that really put me at ease and then just played away and played my my type of style rugby and played played my game what age were you Kara, when you became captain I was actually 23 when I got the phone call but I was 24 when I uh, was officially made captain and when I was um, captain the team I was 24 and was that on your radar like was that something that you even dreamed of or had you thought never. of it no never like I'm I'm very much a player that you go out do your job keep your head down don't be me don't get in the limelight for the wrong reasons that you just do your job do it right and literally look out for your teammates that was always my mindset it was all like that was my mantra always and it still is and still has it still was when I played after 
Um, and obviously they they just saw that I suppose and saw it as a so a good a good style. I don't know, but um, I didn't get into trouble thankfully. So what, <laughs> I can't go. What did it mean for you to get asked that? Um, it was it was just it was it's such a an honor. Like it's it's so hard to put into words that you know you're a young girl who was looking for people to play in the rugby team in Castle Island. So all of a sudden, <laughs> after your country, like wow, me young Kira going around the clipboard that she will one day the captain of country laughed at you like right go away. Um and it's just mad. I think it's it's only sometimes it hits me, you know, now that you're finished playing, you're reflecting more, you kind of realise, okay, yeah, I did that. I I captain my country, like, you know, stuff like that. It's just like I think I played more matches as captain as not as captain, if, if that if that makes sense, you know, so um, we were just nuts. Absolutely nuts. How many seasons were you there as captain? Four seasons captain. So I had two seasons beforehand and then I had four seasons captain. Uh, what was it like actually captioning the Irish ladies for four seasons? What, like, what did you learn about yourself on that journey? What kind of person did you have to become to be the captain of the Irish ladies? Yeah, I was busy and I won't like stressful. Like I think being the captain of any team it brings extra stress and you no know, extra extra things that you might see as a, as a player in terms of you know not having to have that responsibility um, and you're learning to deal with that you learn different mechanisms for you know so learning talking to the ref was a big learning curve for me um, because in rugby you know there's such a respect for the ref which I love and I love that level of respect and I actually still do play football like I'll call the ref sir and people are looking at me and I'm like it's a habit <laughs> I'm like it's just the way I am um, and I think just learning my communication style with the referees and making sure it was respectful um, was a learning point for me. And I was very lucky that, you know, I got good feedback and stuff and refs appreciated the way I spoke and the way I went to them with different issues. Um, and then I suppose you, with that, you had to control your team as well in terms of making sure they weren't talking to the ref or giving the ref the wrong picture. Um, so again, that was extra pressure on you in terms of that you were trying to keep an eye on everything and still try and play. So I think the first year I tried to do too much, and it definitely took away from my my game. I don't think I played as good as rugby as I could have in twenty eighteen, and just being critical of myself. I um I think I was I focused on other things more. Um, which supposed going to happen when you're given a new responsibility. Um. And then come 2019, I was a bit more relaxed and I had my style and I knew the type of leader I wanted to be. And I actually realised that there's 32 other people in the squad who are just as good of a leader. So delegate. And then I delegated a lot more. Wow. So I had different different leadership groups or saying matches like, right, you look out for this, you look out for that. Um, anything you see, feed it back to me. And it definitely made it a lot easier for me and that I could focus on my game and just playing rugby because just because you're captain doesn't mean it changes what you see when you play or how you want to play. Um, so I got to kind of focus on my game then again a bit more and definitely felt I played better than from 2019 on. Wow. Wow. It sounds like there's so much more behind it than I guess like someone like me from the outside like perceives it just like I guess it obviously seems like a real prestigious thing but it sounds like there's a lot to learn and there's a lot that you have to manage 
in that role as well. Yeah, completely. It's a total learning curve. You learn, you learn every week. You know, it's just like teaching. Like you're never know it all. Like and even like you know, your teammates need you for different reasons. Or some person might be having a bad day, and you've got to see are they okay? And you know, people then people think in different ways. For example, I don't mind getting a bollocking because I'll just I get fired up and I'll fire away then and I'll show you in the next drill you won't give me a bollocking. And then other players you need the arm around the shoulder. Yeah. And, you know, it's just learning that and the way different players tick and how they like to be communicated and their way of communication as well. Yeah. Just because a player's quiet doesn't mean they're not listening or doesn't mean they're not paying attention. You know, things like that. And then other times players who might like to talk a lot might be just hiding that they don't realise they know everything. You know, things. Um, so it's just learning different styles. Uh, yeah, just learning. It sounds like you're very open to that, though. You're very open to learning and you're eager to like to want to know these things. And it's very much sounding like you're nearly like stepping into a coaching role there. Like, how does this person want to be spoken to? Like, how how will I get the most from this person so that they can show their best? Yeah, completely, because everyone's different. Like, I know myself, you know, and I think that definitely came from teaching as well. And look, obviously, I, I'm not saying I was perfect. I definitely made mistakes as that that 100% maybe I didn't deal with issues the right way at times or maybe I didn't uh, you know check in on players enough at times that's why I you know I'll admit I probably made mistakes there as well and so you, you learn from that too um, but I definitely think you just you wanted to do the best for your team and unfortunately you can't keep everyone happy at times it's impossible and I think I tried to do that too much in 2018 and I burned out in that I was like, I, I was very fried. Like, how can I keep everyone happy? And then you realize, look, I think what's best for the team as well and, and go from there. And what you and others can do to put the team first for the betterment of the team. I think once you start focusing on that, it definitely becomes a lot clearer. Was it tough to deal with that pressure and deal with that responsibility at such at such a young age? How Like, how did you get, where did you get those tools and learn the kind of leader you wanted to be? Yeah, it definitely was tough at the start, and I think I put a lot of pressure on myself. But again, just by over time chatting to different people or different leaders and seeing what they did and realizing that actually it's okay to be different. You don't have to make all the big speeches. You don't have to be the one voice all the time. It's great to hear others talking too. And and then when you do talk, they listen because they know you're talking for a reason. You know, it's not just because you want to fill the air or kill time. Um. And I think that that definitely helped to realize that there's no one size fits all to being a captain. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like Anna would carry, I'm sure she's a different leadership size I had and vice versa. And like, you know, it just, it pays off because it just, players buy in and they ruin behind you because if you're a sound leader and a sound person, not even a leader, if you're a sound person and a nice person and you literally have the best, the best interest of the team at heart, players are going to back you. You know, and they know that you're doing what you're doing is for the right reasons. Hundred percent, and I suppose, like, just what that screams to me is just like such, like, such genuineness and such authentic authenticity that I don't think it's something that anyone can ever fake. And I think if you're like always, if you're willing to be wrong and you're willing to improve, like people feed off that. And you know, I don't think you can ever really be wrong if you're willing to work on something, take that feedback, and go again. Yeah, no, completely. And I think it's once you're open to feedback and you're actually open, you realize 
they're not saying this to be mean or they're not saying this to put me down. It's literally to make you a better person or a better player. Um, and once you take that into account, it's just going to bode well to you then how you play and train and, and just enlighten in general. Wow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so did you say, Kira, you went on then to get, was it 41 caps with the Irish ladies? Yeah, so I've been capped 41 times for my country, um, very, very fortunately. Um, as mad, I can nearly tell you every cap. Um, but it's, it's, it's yeah, special. Like, it's it's mad to think back that I got to play that many times for my country. And wow. I, you know, when I did retire, I retired in my own terms. And I think that was special for me too, that... It was my decision, you know, just like I decided to set up that team, you fought to be able to get it. I knew my time was right and that it was finished for me and that it was time to focus on the next chapter and, you know, it's nice to go out your own terms in as well. How hard was that decision? Yeah, it was, it was really hard. To, it was It was nearly, this is my person probably talking about it actually, Um, it was nearly an impossible decision in some ways because I grew up, wanting to play for Ireland and, you know, wanting to play rugby. And then, you know, I had it in front of me and I had the chance and I was still playing and I was playing well, you know, it wasn't injury that put me back or anything. And, you know, we didn't qualify for the World Cup, um, which was heartbreaking, um, absolutely heartbreaking because you put your life on hold for a game, you plan your life around it, you do everything around it to qualify for a World Cup because that's the epitome of a, of a seat of a of a sporting calendar of a sporting cycle and we just didn't do it we didn't qualify in the last kick of the game and it was heartbreaking and that was really tough for me for a few weeks it was um a very very dark place for me um you know we were questioning your why and all this and just really down not couldn't cheer me up and then I was just thinking and I was like look I knew then it was gonna be another four-year cycle for the next World Cup even just to qualify and I knew I wasn't going to be around for four years. Like there wasn't, there wasn't a hope because, you know, your life outside of it. I'm teaching for, I was teaching full time. Like my life at home in Kerry, where after we got married there in 2020 at Christmas and we we built our house and you want to start, you know, enjoying that as well and being around for that different milestones. And came to the point where I was like, am I going to stay on for four years and probably not be happy, not play the best I can. And, take up a jersey or a position for, for, for a younger player coming through who will be there for the next cycle. Oh, yeah. Or who who will probably be there for the next four years and beyond. Now I'm not saying that I would have been picked for every game or every season for four years. I'm not saying that at all. It's just that why would I take the position of someone else who you who could invest and learn in that year because everyone was saying, but well, why don't you stay for six nations? It's only another three or four months. And I was like but well, that's four or five months for someone else to learn the ropes, for someone else to get that experience. And I was like, what's what's the point of me walk staying for those those match, those five matches and then walking away and having to start again in the middle of the cycle? Yeah. You know, whereas I was like, I'm always believing you have a jersey, you never own it, so you're a gatekeeper. So I was a gatekeeper of my jersey for six years. And I was really fortunate to have it for six years. Just minding it, whereas now is opportunity to pass that on to a newer player or a younger player who's nipping at my heels or who was showing great form, and that they had the opportunity to learn in the Six Nations that they could get that match experience because that's how you learn. Yeah. And international experience is an unforgiving classroom, um, and I think 
by having that Six Nations. So there's no real pressure, you know. They could just play that. Of course, there's going to be an opportunity you give to someone else, another player. And I'm really glad I did. And I'm really at peace. With my, I, I know myself that I made the right decision for me. And I think it was the first time I've ever put myself first before rugby. Do you know, wow. everything else was rugby. You know, everything revolved around, like our wedding was planned around rugby. Um, do you know, things like that. Whereas this is my first time, like, no, I'm putting myself and my family, my husband first for a change. And it was just a lovely feeling knowing that you made the right choice for you and you weren't forced out. It wasn't for me. Like I probably went away playing some of my best rugby. Wow. And it was just, it was just amazing. Like, and I got to finish in Twickenham as vice captain of the Barbarians scoring it, scoring my last try in Twickenham. Like it's just, you know, it's not being cliche or fairy tale endings, but you know, you'd love, you know, if I could have written that a few years ago, I'd have been pretty happy with it. Wow. Wow. That sounds incredible. And I suppose it sounds like such a tough decision for you, but it sounds like, I guess you're actually thinking about like you're thinking about the team and you're thinking about the future of the team even more, I suppose, ahead of yourself getting a few more months of, I guess, like getting to play in the Six Nations, which like it sounds like you easily could have made that decision and like done that and enjoyed that and probably played great rugby. But you're thinking about maybe the other side of life as well that you had like had to make sacrifices in to to play at that level. Yeah, exactly. And the way I described it is like, you know, if you have a leg timer and or if a glass and you're keep filling one side, the other side gets empty. And unfortunately that side is empty a lot more than it should have been. And I kind of wanted to reset it and recalibrate it. And um and to be honest, I was probably a bit happier and that like I love playing with the you know, I'm not saying, you know, I love this. I love the honour of it. But I was the happiest I've ever been at the moment. You know, and and that's because I I was like, because you would be nervous. Will I miss it? Will I be down? Will I be really, you know, will it be that void? And life's great outside of it. You know, it took up so much time and I loved it because I dedicated that time to it. But then you see everything else you can do with that time. Um. And I'm loving, I'm loving that new challenge. And like, I'm probably busier now than I ever was. And I'm <laughs> loving it. It's so, your turn. You're doing it on your terms. And I think that's special. Wow. What are the things that are making you feel very content right now and making you feel very happy in life? Um. So I'm going back to, I'm doing the green search, something I've always wanted to do and I could never do because I was always training the weekends I was on. Um, myself and Damien were running, you know, but I never thought I'd be a runner now. If you told me you were not retired, <laughs> I'd be running for fun, I would have laughed at you. But we've ran um, two half marathons, we're going to do our third this weekend, and we've signed up for our first full marathon there in April. Amazing. Yeah, and I'm just loving that different challenge, and I'm back playing football, learning the rules again. Oh <laughs> like, you don't realize how fast it is, oh my gosh, like, they never. <laughs> and um, so I'm loving that type of challenge and just being at home and, and you know being around for different things and you know, just literally sometimes just sitting down on the couch yeah. <laughs> and, and not feeling guilty it's it's brilliant and um, like and just doing my own gym like I'm still at the moment like I'm running three days a week I'm gymming two days and I'm cycling one day so like I'm still really doing as much training if not more than when I was playing but it's different. It's always your own terms, and you're doing it with others. And like, so myself and Dane, we do the running together. You know, it's nice to have that time together. You can chat about your day and stuff like that. 
and it's just it's just lovely doing things at your own pace that's amazing that's amazing and I suppose one thing I always like I guess talk to my clients about is like I guess there's always maybe like in social media and things now people are talking a lot about balance and work-life balance and things like that and I guess sometimes people get very much caught up in the fact that like they don't have this perfect balance with things but I think like you know what you're describing there is that like a period of your life was maybe skewed like towards being very sport orientated and maybe keeping work on the go with that but now you're leaning more to this side of balance where you're working on your relationships and family life and things like that. And I think like, it's okay for it to go that way a little bit where there's a period for that and a period for this, because we kind of go through seasons where maybe we're needing different things and different things are important to us. Yeah, completely. And that not to feel guilty either, you know, because I, when I was playing, there was that bit of guilt at times, always being away from things or, you know, at school, you were always rushing and racing. You're trying to, if you're going away for matches, you could be in camp on a Thursday. So you were there Friday, Wednesday evenings late, trying to leave work for a sub for those two or three days. And and you always had guilt, even though you're going playing for your country or you know you were you were doing you it's not like I was going off on holidays. Um, you know, you were doing a, a task or you had a role to play. Um, whereas now it's nice to even just relax a little and not go a thousand miles an hour all the time that you can. Go fifty percent sometimes, or you know, sometimes. Oh, I'm a bit sore. Maybe I I go for a shorter run today. But there's not a set. That, oh, my GPS is going to track that I didn't run enough. You know, <laughs> it was all, and it's much. It's a lovely way to be. And like I loved every minute of my international career, and I was really lucky to have it. Like I literally fulfilled a childhood dream. Um, but it's lovely now to live life outside of rugby and I'm loving it. And um, it just shows that there's life outside of sport or there's life outside of other focuses you may have that at the time might be your full, sole focus, that, that this is your life. But their life is pretty good outside of it too. That's amazing. And I guess I know that for um, a lot of athletes I'd have spoken to, maybe like, I guess an awful lot of GA, GA athletes, it can be tough like when you do step back from that and maybe like your identity changes a little bit and you have to kind of maybe accept that accept that you're not that person that maybe everyone like maybe everyone's used to seeing you as the Irish rugby player and then you're not that anymore and like was that tough for you or did you do you feel like that happened very naturally and very easily for you yeah, I think it happened naturally enough. Like even when I was playing, and people introduced me to Irish women's rugby captain, I'd be like, "Oh, jeez!" I'd be like, "I know." <laughs> just say Kira, like you know, it's just <laughs> I'm very much so like to keep the head down, stay out of limelight and stuff like that. And um, so to be honest, it has it's been quite an easy transition for me. You know, <laughs> oh, you used to be a rugby player, I'm like yeah, I used to play. Like you, I was like I always say, yeah, I used to play a bit, all right. And it just, you know, it's just a different, different side of it now. And it's great. And it's, it's, it's really enjoyable. And for anyone who's listening to this on the podcast, I can tell you all that Kira has the biggest smile on her face. And you look like when you're talking about your life now, it seems like you're just very content and very happy with things, which is really cool to see. Um, and before I take up too much of your time now, I have one final question for you. And I know that you did actually touch on this earlier, but I suppose I would love to know, Kira, um, based on everything you've learned in everything you've achieved in a very in a very short space of time, um, what's the one 
like one or maybe few pieces of advice that you would give to a younger Kira or to a younger person or to one of your students um, if you could go back in time now? Yeah, I think it would be don't worry if it doesn't come straight away or don't worry if it doesn't come in, in the standard A to B path. You know, there's different ways of achieving your goal. It doesn't have to be one clear line. Sometimes it can be a zigzag. You know, you will get to your destination. And I definitely think that don't panic. I'm a big believer of everything happens for a reason. And you will get there eventually because if you work hard enough and you believe in yourself enough, you will get there. And I think if you once you believe in that, it will make it easier for you too because you can waste so much energy in worrying about things that are outside your control. Like if it comes to training, you can't control whether you're picked or not, but you can't control whether you put up such a good performance that the coach can't ignore you. Do you know things like that? Um, and then I am a big believer in backing yourself. Once you get your opportunity, you back yourself with everything you have. And don't listen to the doubters. Don't listen to people giving you X, Y, and Z advice. You know yourself. And as a young player, I'm a big believer just finding yourself first in your style of play. Don't try and be what the best player in the team is doing. That might suit them, but it might suit you. And everyone is different. And we all have our own set skills that we add to the team. And my always believe the team is a cog. And you know what a cog, if a tooth is missing in a cog, the cog won't go around. So you you are one of those teeth, you are a cog, you're a piece of that cog. And if you aren't part of it, that 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 wheel won't turn. So that team won't go around without you either. And I'm a big believer on that, that back yourself, you're there for a reason and you're a part of a team and just enjoy it. Like enjoy what you're doing because we spend enough of our time at times doing things that we might enjoy. You know, we might enjoy getting up at half five or half six in the morning to go for a run or to get ready to go into work. But you do it because you have to. You need your job, you need to pay your bills. But sport is miscellaneous, sport is fun and just enjoy it because you want to get a certain amount of time playing with who you have and people around us. And you'll never play with the same team as long as you think because people will change. Players will come in and out and just enjoy it when you can. Wow, that is absolutely incredible advice. And I think that that advice is so powerful because you've lived it all and you've like practiced absolutely everything that you're preaching right there. And it's incredible to see how that has like how that has played out in your life and how you really have backed yourself and like followed your dreams and shown that it doesn't have to be the conventional way. If you get a few setbacks, go back to the drawing board and go again. And um, I think it's such a powerful message for anybody listening. So I just want to say a massive, massive thank you, Kira, for being so generous with your time, for being so generous with your insights and so open and honest today. Um, I really, really appreciate it. And I just want to say thank you so much for being here today. No problem. Thanks for having me, Kira. It was great chatting.